vision, but I know it takes a lot to put all of that together. But the but the time of worship, you know, that I'm used to when I grow up is me singing. You know, I go to church and there's musician and there's a worship leader and all that stuff that goes on and and we jump on and, and it's like, wow, today's a great worship. It all depends on the worship leader, right? <laughs> if they uh, if they if they practice or not, if they do it right or not, if the if the music is is getting your groove on, you know. Um, but I have to tell you, that's not worship necessarily. Not to say people who have their groove on is not dancing before the Lord or anything like that. What I'm saying is worship. Huh? Oh, I'm so glad for the yeah for the details that's happening throughout. They said my video is not on, so sorry about that. Here you are. Hey, names on the screen too. <laughs> um, but worship is really about Jesus. In fact, our circumstances is is melt away. It, it's it's not even significant to be a concern because in His presence, all things are made beautiful. And so this morning, I want to share a. Um, let me pull up the PowerPoint real quick. I want to share something that uh, that took place during Christmas, and I had the opportunity to be able to uh, minister to my own family, my brother especially. Some of you know about my brother Charlie, but very few of you heard about me talking about my other brother. His name is Brian also. Uh, that wasn't his birth name, but he decided his Chinese name is a little difficult, and so he called himself Brian. So uh, Jaden will call Uncle Brian, so we know exactly who he's talking about. But I want to start with this in Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 11, which we will cover. But in it, it talks about God says, my ways are higher than your ways. Why is that? Because why do I want to talk about that? Because do you know that people misunderstand God and continues to blame him for the things they themselves do not understand on a daily basis? Do you realize that on a daily basis, people whether consciously or subconsciously, are still blaming God for things they don't understand. In fact, they would misunderstand God. In fact, they would assume things about God that is not true. But it's in there. And it happens to those who are, um, well, whether consider themselves, uh, uh, you know, atheists, meaning they don't believe in God, or even those who say they are Christians and they 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 recognize the aspect of you know, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have gone to church, they have been in Bible study, but they still continue to misunderstand God. Is why Isaiah 55 talks about that, which we will end with that, but I want to go deeper before we do that. You know, so, for example, I'll give you one, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 to 24. You know, it reads like this. It says, now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died. This is about the Israelite in, in Egypt. And it says, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage and they cried out. And their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So they were enslaved in Egypt. And verse 24, so God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. Now, for those who 
been through Bible study and read this part and said, yeah, see, God helped them, right? But for those who didn't really understand this the way it ought to be understood, is they're going to look at it quite differently than you look at it. For example, oh, God took notice of them after what? After they were in suffering. After, and then they would maybe go and say, hey, here it says, God heard their groaning and God remembered. Oh, did God forget? Where was God? Was he busy? Is on the Israelites case, their issue insignificant that God says, ah, I'm just going to wait around until they cry out to me. How many of you could raise your hand? Either you thought of that yourself or you feel that way before or you know somebody who felt that way about God that says God is just not here. And that was my brother's case. Because at the instance, at the first glance of reading the, the scriptures, it would seem like God has just been absent or busy with other things until he took notice of an urgent call. You see, my youngest brother, he uh, his business wasn't doing as good at the tail end of uh, the year. And he felt he was unlucky because why he was looking at all his co-workers was like, man, they all they all didn't get the unlucky like I did. You know, my cases were not close. Everybody else's was close. Somehow the underwriter would pick on my case and then they begin to nitpick and all that. How unlucky did I get? And then he said something to the effect that says, is God punishing me because I'm not going to church? And that was his so-called initial opening up a conversation. And I praise God, not because of his case, that he had to go through that, but I also praise God that he, in, in order for him to open up, he had to go through that. Does that make sense? And so uh, long story short, I uh, took time to minister to him. I said, no, that's not, that's not the case. It is not because God is punishing you, but let's address some of the things that he was concerned about, or at least he's thinking about. He said, because he's not going to church, therefore God is punishing him. I said, brother, not going to church has very little to do with your attendance. You're saying you didn't have a good attendance at church and therefore God is punishing you. Let's address that first. I said, you're not going to church has very little to do with attendance. But more so, it has to do with someone, in your case, the desire to deal with God directly. When someone does, wants to avoid God, they will avoid everything about God. But then when someone wants to come back to God, they go indirectly to God. They don't go directly to God. Isn't that interesting? In his case, he knew about God, but he thought maybe, because I asked him, I said, bro, do you believe? I said, brother, so what you're saying is you believe if somehow, if you would just stop going to church, you would get better. And he said, I hope so. I said, I'm not trying to discourage you to go to church. I'm trying to help you go to the source, which is the relationship with Christ himself. And of course, go to church. But you got to stop there. Would you be willing to, to know him more? Because if you go to church and your desire is not to go to God, then you're just going around him. There's no going around the cross. Amen. Have you heard of that? Jesus Christ died on the cross. You can't go around that. You have to go straight to the cross. 
with him. And so that was the journey. That was the beginning. And he said, I also encourage him to say, if you do plan to go to church, I pray for you that we find a good church. But even so, most people who go to church, they go to church for the wonderful worship. It's Sunday. They want something out light and uplifting and feel good, aspired. Yeah. You know, and then they want a sermon that is, uh, <laughs> some people, they call it fluffy. You know, it's so fluff. Ooh, sweet, wonderful, prosperity and all of that. They want to be inspired on Sunday. And so they can go home and they can get on Monday to Saturday all pumped up. So I told my brother, I said, for a lot of people, they go to church for those reasons. But the real truth begins when you know God's truth. And the way to know God's truth is know his word. And he typed and said, he texted me and said, but I don't know his word. I said, that's not a worry at this point. If you're willing, let's read his word together. He said, I don't have a Bible. I said, do you have a phone? Let's download this app. I sent it right to, to him right away, the U version. And I said, if you're willing, I'll walk with you. And let's learn about Jesus. Let's start somewhere. And we picked John, the book of John. All that to say came from a very interesting perspective. And in this case, started with my brother. And it caused me to think how many more people are like my brother too. That they have been having an arm's length relationship with God because they misunderstood God. Because they themselves are trying to avoid God and somehow trying to get back to God by going around him and still not get the answer they need. And they're still wondering, why is God punishing me? And so we should all know that um, the perception that can go this way, that they feel God is not no longer protecting them. God does not notice them because they are missing from church. Now their suffering is because God is mad at them. You know, just like Exodus, like the Israelites, they need to rose up to God. They need to, you know, pray up a storm so that God would hear their sorry by attending church. And so because of that, I want to say this. To folks like my brother, they misunderstand. The misunderstanding is that God is just sitting around, twirling his finger and waiting for Israel to do something. There's nothing wrong for Israel to do something. You know, if you're away from God, if you feel that you're distant, if you need to do something, there's nothing wrong. We should, amen? We, can't, we shouldn't sit there and say, well, if God loves me and wants me to do something, he'll get me. Well, maybe he has. He has been. What does the Bible say? He's been knocking at the door of our heart. And whoever would open the door. That means God doesn't force himself in there. But whoever opens the door, he will come in and he will sup with them. The word sup is that fellowship. will build that connection with him. So do we need to do something? Yes, absolutely. Does Israelite need to do something? Yes, absolutely. But not in the absence of God himself already do something. Amen? I think we have to be very clear on that. It is not that God is falling asleep on the wheel. Like we we're just passing this guy. Oh my God, we're going to crash. God, I pray that you wake up. Save my soul. Wake up, God. You're falling asleep on the wheel, and I'm just a passenger in this life. That's not the case. God is active, amen? 
God is very active in pursuing the details of our life. And so having that said, God had acted first. He has initiated long before the Israelite had prayed to God. Now I'm going to skip this slide. We'll come back because this slide is more important. The, 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 the slide now will come back. Is this. Do you know that in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, God had told Abraham, this is way before Moses. This is way before anybody else. He said, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land, and that is not theirs, where they be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. And you can track that in Exodus. 400 years plus. It's actually 430 years. God already spoke to Abraham before even Moses was born. Before there is such an idea that there's a country called Israel. There's no nation of Israel before Abraham. It was the promise that God gave Abraham that he would have descendants, right? More than the uh, sands and more than he can count. God gave that promise, didn't he? It is out of that, that's when Israel was birthed out as a nation. Now, God already spoke that. Now, you wonder, well, then why did Israel got enslaved in Egypt and they have to suffer and all that? Well, if you would read Genesis, it's on the slide as well. Oh, I didn't know I double type. <laughs> you wonder why? You wonder why? <laughs> it's in Genesis 37 through 46, was the story of Joseph was sold to Egypt by his brother. Remember that one? They beat him up. They were jealous of him because he was having these dreams and prophetic vision. The long story is that God raised him up, right? In Israel, what was he? He became the, what did he become? Prime minister, a leader in, in, in the Egyptian government. And in that, God showed him what to do. And he was able to cause prosperity, preparation. And there was seven years of drought and seven years, you know, at first seven years of, of abundance and then seven years of drought. While all that was the purpose to provide for Israel, Egypt benefited. And that was through Joseph. And at the end, all of that, and then Jacob, which is Joseph's dad, you know, after reconcile and all that, if you read Genesis 46, you see they moved to Egypt. And so now Israelites are in Egypt. They were not, they were not called Israel yet as a nation, but people of Israel, right? Israelites. That's why. So God already spoken that to Abraham before all this. He knew all this is, he provided a plan. But the people in Exodus was like, oh my God, wake up God, I need help. So without reading the Bible, oftentimes people would take the scripture of God and misunderstand God themselves. And I know that a lot of Christians today are stuck in that sense. Their questions are way, um, in their mind is big, but at the same time, let's agree. They don't know what they don't know until they get into the truth. So it was spoken way before. Now, let me go back to this part. You see, God knew and he prepared Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt. Now, we can read it from Exodus chapter two. There's a whole chapter that will summarize that. In fact, you know what? Let's take time to read that right now. Let's go to Exodus chapter 2. <clears throat> this is about the birth of Moses. 
And all the way through, it will talk about um, bringing uh, Moses out of Egypt as well. And so here it goes. Verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could, but when she could hide him no longer, she got him in a wicker basket and covered him over with tar and pitch. When she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile, his sister stood at a distance and find out what would happen to him. Verse 5, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile while her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy was crying and she had pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman? that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The, ch the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she became her son. And she named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of water. Verse 11, now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He went out the next day and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? But he said, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill us as you killed the Egyptian? Mm -hmm. Then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. And it continues in verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. And he sat down by the well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the, the throws to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to Reol, the father, he said, why have you come back so soon today? So they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, where is he then? Why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses was willing to dwell with the man. And he gave his daughter, gave his daughter Zipporah, Zipporah to Moses. Then she gave birth to a son and he named him Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel sighed before the, uh, sorry, 
The sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out, and they cried out for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant and with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. And, and that was the last two scriptures that we started with. But before even that, we just read the entire chapter of Exodus, the beginning of Moses, until many years later, and then Israel, right? God answered their prayer because of their bondage. God heard them, and then God began to complete the second part of Moses. What we just read was the first part of Moses. In fact, it's not just in Exodus. It talks about what else? See, on the point, it says God had ensured that Moses would receive the benefit of tremendous education, the best kind of secular education that one could receive at that time. And it's also spoken about in Acts chapter 7, verse 22. He had put thoughts in Moses' mind that he could be Israel's deliverer. It was Exodus chapter 3, was detailing out when Moses came out of Egypt, right? We just read. He ran, but he didn't go to nowhere. He ran and he you know, that's where God led him to the desert and show him the burning bush. And in that burning bush, God began to speak to him his mission, his vision, and his purpose. So God already spoke to him about uh, using Moses to deliver Israel. God had promised Moses to flee the land and led him into wilderness to the family of Jethro. He had given Moses the time and the opportunity to continue his preparation for leading his people out of Egypt. And you can read that all throughout Exodus especially two and four. In fact, Exodus uh, chapter four, verse 19, it says, and now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. God took him out of Egypt after all those first part of preparation. And then the second part of preparation, this time is infused by God himself because all the training that he had from Egypt was insufficient, even though it was one of the best that in that time the world can get he was he was made an engineer architect you know he knows all those stuff he knows he is a very well-learned man but god had to take him out of egypt and now god began to pour into him the very purpose of who he will be and now he sent him back to egypt isn't that amazing he had also ensured that moses would live long you know in fact he saw everything that happened do you know that when they were let out the uh, the israelites were let out into uh, out of egypt they were in the desert for 40 years remember that part do you know a lot of things took place including a whole generation of israel they had to die in the wilderness because of their stubbornness that also caused the issue where moses himself you know didn't make it to the promised land not because he has, you know, that 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 he doesn't, de you know, deserve to be part of everything that God is doing for Israel. If you would read um, in Hebrews, it would talk about that. It would talk about even though this land that God promised him that he did not make it, but he knew the land that he's going to is heaven. It was in the Hebrews chapter eleven talks about the man of faith. Now Moses did you know, make mistakes and so forth. God was angry and Aaron, the priest, his brother died in the desert. But all that comes with a bigger picture. 
Amen? If we understand God's word, we will begin to understand his purpose. See, a lot of people are questioning God's purpose in their own life. And so that's why I talk about God already initiated long ago. You see, I think it's important for each one of us to um, to ask ourselves. God provided answers long before we have our questions. Have you thought of that? So in other words, let me ask you this. Maybe you yourself or maybe your family or your friends have questions about God. Amen. That's natural. But do you know that God already have answers from the beginning to the end? After all, he is what? The Alpha and the Omega, right? He knows everything, every detail of it. You see, in Genesis, by the way, we are going through Genesis study, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And we will continue in it this coming, is it this coming Tuesday? Yes, this coming Tuesday. And here's one part that I want to pick out. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. And that tree includes uh, the planting, right, that God put in Eden. The tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, of course, if you in the in the Genesis study, you also know God gave them commandment that they can eat all of that, you know, except for these trees. And we also know that Eve was tempted. And then he, she took Adam with him, who should know better. And they both went for that tree. Well, Eve did pull from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She took a bite and gave it to the husband who was with her. So they both kind of go in there, but Adam went in there with his eyes wide open. That's why Adam sinned first, not Eve. Eve was deceived to believe it's okay. Adam went in there with his eyes wide open. That's why. Now, having that said, it was talking about the tree of life. And so what happened, uh, and, and the tree of good, uh, uh, knowledge of good and evil, and then they sin, sin occurred. And since then, God did what? Banished them from the Garden of Eden. And you may be wondering why. Here in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 through 7, it says, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its tree, on either side of the river, was the aha, tree of life that was mentioned about in Genesis. But in Revelation, God bring it back again and that we will see it. Bearing 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face. No longer be any night and they will not have need of any light of the lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine, illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. 
And he said to me, those words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bond servants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. What I'm trying to point out here is God knows the beginning and he has the plan to complete till the end. And he has shown us he will be there. He has shown us that he's not falling asleep like some has misunderstood. Where is God? But he is working even so now. Amen. Through each and every one of us. You see, you may ask, well, what's the deal with the tree of life? You know, can you imagine when Adam and Eve sinned and then the next thing is they went and grabbed the tree of life, the fruit from the tree of life. What if they ate that tree of life? What would happen? They will be in the state of sin forever. But God didn't want that for them. He wants to change that. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. So not knowing God's word can only draw misunderstanding and confusion. And so I ask each and every one of us, where are you spending your time today? Are you spending time with the Lord in his word so that you have clarity? You know how powerful clarity is? Clarity brings security. Clarity brings confidence. Clarity builds faith. Clarity diminishes fear. Fear is because we don't know. You know, when I grew up, I get it. We all have parents who try to prepare us, right? And sometimes parents, to their fault or not to their fault, they don't know. But the way they talk about things is they bring fear first. <laughs> and I think fear is good. Fear of God is good. But sometimes those fear are not so good. You know, superstitious is not a good fear. Do you guys know what superstitious is? What is superstition? Any example? Anyone? Unlucky. Unlucky? For a black cat to cross you. It's unlucky for a black cat to cross you. Superstitious, right? And then if, uh, what other things? If you do something, this will happen. You know, this is fear. A lot of fear. It's a fear base. In fact, negative fear. And we begin to take some of these characteristics and grow up and not realizing that. You know, people use the word, hey, don't say that. It's jinx. I'm like, I don't. Is jinx a person? Is it a cat? <laughs> Minx and jinx? Who are they? Is that what God does? you know, to punish his people. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of our own basis of our understanding and we begin to shape that into reality. Fear for many people is a reality. The way they think about finances, they, the way they think about their work, the way they think about relationship, the way they think about everything, basically. It's a very fear-driven methodology. And 
that's why I, I want to encourage you. Where do you think you're spending most of your time? I'm not saying don't go to work, don't go to school. That's not what I'm saying. Even when you go to school, when you go to work, when you're away from your family, where is your mind and heart? Amen. You know, people say, uh, how do you pray unceasingly? Because I have to go to work. I said, don't you pray at work too? You know, don't you pray when you're at school? When, you, when you're stuck with something, don't you even ask God and involve him in your learning? You know, maybe you have a really weird teacher and he didn't teach much and you just have this book and you're like, this is hard to understand. Would you ever lift up your hand and say, Lord, could you teach me how to understand the subject? I don't want to fail in my class. You know, maybe when you're at work, you recognize that people learn in different ways. Sometimes people make you feel that you're behind because they're just excellent in what they do. And you're like, oh, I'm not as good. You know, maybe I'm dyslexic or maybe I'm this or that. We have all of those reasons. Yes, it's difficult. But we bring, we, you know, we, we allow God to show us in those myths who he is. Amen. That's why pray unceasingly doesn't mean the only time you pray is when you be on bended knees and clench your hand. That's called prayer. Prayer is your heart open 24-7, yielded to God. Amen? Amen? Don't let your mind be a playground for the devil. I'm telling you. The mind is one of the hardest things that hinders faith. You know, between heart and mind, have anyone measured how long the distance is? Do you know? I have I haven't really, but I'm only guessing. How far is this? I'm giving you an estimation. About a foot, maybe? Right? 12 inches apart. This mind often can be the very hindrance to the very faith that we need in our heart. The very courage and the possibilities that open up in the world that God has placed us with victory, power, redemption, all of that is right here. It needs to be here. Now, here, the Bible does talk about renew our mind daily so that it won't be a hindrance, but renew into his truth. That's why a lot of times people are pick and choose the scripture and they, they will stumble. I'm not saying stumble by the word of God. God's word is not there to stumble us. What I'm saying is when they don't spend enough time in the word of God, they begin to assume otherwise about God. And so my brother, when he um, texted to me, I realized that was his way of opening up his vulnerability. So I didn't attack him. I just want to walk with him. And so I, I would covet prayer for my brother. Uh, his name is Brian. And... Uh, Pray for his salvation. Pray that he won't, you know, because of one season, maybe he was open and it's like, oh, maybe I should go to church. Maybe God won't, won't punish me because I'm starting to be a good boy now. <laughs> you know, that kind of idea. I'll be a good person now. See, good person goes to church. So maybe God will have favor on me. You know how dangerous that is? What if he actually goes to church and things in his business did not heal? Now he's going to say, God hates me. That's why I'm prayerfully praying, God, he needs you. I'm not saying he doesn't need the church, but he needs you more than anything else. I pray that he would desire you. 
that he would open up his heart, that he would not go around the cross, that he would not pretend, you know, his relationship with, you know, so-called father is not, uh, is not right. So he goes to the mother kind of a thing. <laughs> we all do that, don't we? When we have one relation, we try to go around. And so pray for my brother. Today, I will say this. Would you know it if you see it? You see, my brother obviously didn't understand the word, so that's why I'm praying for him. And this whole sermon, I would almost dedicate it to that perspective because he's not the only one. I know there are many Christians who are in his situation like that. But to all of us is God has the answer for us before we even have our questions. But will we know it if we see it? Folks won't know it if they're not spending time in this world. This is not me trying to raise up more Bible study crowd and all that stuff. You know, people come, people go. On Thursday prayer, you know, Trey has been there faithfully. And we said, if there's two or more, but we'll start with two, we'll be there. Even if that's one, that's still someone praying. This is not a religious thing. This is not a church thing. This is literally taking full meaning that God is still working. He's not asleep. Amen. If God is working, that means he's working in my life. He's working in your life. That means I want to be part of that. You want to be part of that. Amen. That's why we do what we do. Not do church and think we will somehow gain favor with God. That, 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 that's not right. Don't do church. Don't do church. Walk with God and let church happen. Amen. Walk with God, and the church will be the church that represents God. Don't worry about church. Worry about our walk. Spend time in his word. John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Every single event, God knows. Small, big, your hair, when it fell, fell from your head, he knows. <laughs> I hope God won't say I'll get bald. I don't uh -huh. know. Maybe he would. He might tell me. I will find out. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm very much part of every event that he knows. Amen. He's not asleep. And then verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. Here's the thing. Darkness did not grasp it. In fact, if you continue reading in John chapter 1, his own, he came to his own. His own rejected him. So people won't know it. If they see it. Why? Because they don't know the truth. They didn't spend the time in his truth. And so, as I said, at the tail end, we'll touch on this Isaiah 55. My ways are higher than your ways. Why? So it reads like this, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. 
and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, so will my word be which, so, excuse me, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Israelites, before they even have their trouble, was even spoken about way before. God has answers for all of our questions before we even have one. Would you trust him? Would you ask yourself, where do you spend most of your time? You know, social media, internet, is pretty much the way to go these days as far as get news, information, social trends, all kinds of stuff. In fact, I learned how to throw a football, you know, the American football, that oblong thing. I grew up kicking soccer ball, or we call it football, <laughs> really done by foot. But here when in America, when they say football, I was confused. So I have to learn how to do it. I learned it through YouTube. So I get it. Internet becomes a normal go-to place, but even so, the Bible tells us, be careful. Not all things are beneficial. That's why, where have you been spending your time is an important question. Because what occupies your mind tells you where you're spending your time. So would you pray with me today? And ask God to eliminate the fear, the spirit of the world that is in your mind already. I remember very clearly, somebody asked me when I graduated, I just had my bachelor's degree, I just graduated. And I remember they asked me this question, wow, isn't that awesome that you have all these knowledge? What have you learned? And my response to them was two parts. One, I said, I learned almost practically nothing. <laughs> but I did learn that the discipline of study, I didn't appreciate it at first, but when I was done, I really appreciate that there was this discipline I went through. So it taught me how to study, taught me how to research, it taught me how to go after and find an answer. But the second part to the question was, I also learned there's a lot of things I have to unlearn. While it is good, but not all things are good. I also have to make a decision to unlearn. And that is my entire life. And I hope you do that too. We have learned so much, but there are some things we need to start to unlearn so that we can learn the things of God. Amen? And that's how people mature. That's how people become wise. That's how people become, you know, the leaders like Jesus. You know, we talk about that on Friday in the men's fellowship. You know, a leader is not one that has title. Leader is one who can see the bigger picture. In this case, Jesus, he said, I did not come to, I, I came to serve, but did not come to be served. The bigger picture is not what people can do for him. The bigger picture was what he can do for the people. That's what makes him king, makes him Lord, amen? And so with that, uh, before we close in prayer, has there anyone, maybe some thoughts today, and maybe you wanna share something that just strike your heart and. 
uh, you want to share with others and pastors, uh, if, if there's any other scriptures or, or thoughts that you want to add to. So what I feel like nowadays people are struggling with their life or anything is because they don't know enough knowledge about Jesus or the word from him. Mm -hmm. That's why they're um, like, you know, struggling. Amen. Or either way, they don't believe that enough to support their, their mental. The understanding is not there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Brian was, yeah, was um, emphasizing again. We all go through things, ups and downs. And uh, earlier when I uh, read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we all go through seasons. But what does verse 12 says? But it, there's nothing better than it is to rejoice. Rejoice and do good in the life that God has given us. Amen. But in order to do good, we must be with the one and only that is good. No one is good but God. Amen. Thank you, Brian. All right. Anyone else? No? Um, just also for the, yeah, some background uh, on Israel. Hmm. Um, can you turn Pastor Edmund to Genesis 32? Verses 28 and 29. Genesis chapter 22. 32. Oh, chapter 32. Okay. And can you read 32, uh, 32, 20, 28 and 29? 28 and 29. Amen. Okay. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striving with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that, you're, that you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. Do I can? No, that's it. Uh, his name was Jacob. And what did the Lord change it to? Israel. Israel. So if we go back to uh, go to Genesis 25. Chapter 25. Mm -hmm. And read verses 19. Um, 19 through uh, 26. Amen. Verse 19. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac has, was 40 years old when he took Rebekah the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? She went to inquire the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples will be separated from your body. And the one people shall be stronger than the other 
and the older shall serve the younger. Uh, do I, where do I end? Sorry. Yeah, you're gonna go all the way to 26. 26, okay. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red all over like a hairy garment, and, the, and they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when she gave, when she gave birth to them. So using these two scriptures from the word to fill in some background, mm. Israel was actually Jacob. And, you know, and Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. Amen. Because Isaac was his dad. So when the Lord talked to Abraham before his son was born, conceived, even before he promised him a son. And he promised and he said that his descendants and so starting with his grandson. They would be in Egypt for 400. The Lord gave Abraham of, uh, information about the future of his descendants. Mm. But he said he'd bring it out. Amen. And so when we talk about Israel, we're talking about the descendants of Abraham, God's mm. friend. Amen. And I used to look at that and I'd look at the promise and I would say, Lord, why was I what why did why wasn't I born an Israelite? And he said, Spiritually, you are. I said, What? Go to Galatians 3.29. And that's the last scripture. Galatians 3.29. Okay. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Amen. We are we are spiritual descendants through our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, you are a descendant of Abraham. Amen. So we too are Israelites. That's it. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Pastor Catherine. That uh so much is in Genesis, and, and Pastor Catherine has shared, you know, the Lord put in her heart that that's why we're going back there, right? And uh, so thank you, and, and I hope you everyone here is encouraged to know that whether you're struggling with God or, you know, you think everything is hunky-dory, you know, fine, either way, I hope you understand that the word of God given to us was not to burden us with religion, you know, or or just, just you know, Jeannie calls it churchianity. Uh, I know it's not in Webster, so we can't use that for Scrabbles. But what I'm saying is that there's a whole culture that people are going around the cross. People are not going to Jesus. They're only going for, for the things that God has placed. <sighs> And they begin to worship things and turn it, fashion it with their own hands. So, spiritually speaking, how about us? What have we fashioned with our own hands per se? 
Will we ask, Lord, this year, will we do just the same like last year? Now, if we're walking with God, no problem. It will be the same. Keep walking. But if we're away from God and we've been just um, doing churchianity per se, this is the time to repent, a time to surrender our hearts, time to desire his truth. In fact, that includes time to unlearn, commit to unlearn the things of this world. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this afternoon and each and every one that logged in here. Father, we thank you that our time is short. We are in the end times. And Father, we pray that with everything that is going on, there are imaginations that COVID is going away. And somehow another news comes again that COVID is not going away. Father, in all of this, there are people who are struggling through it. People are divided by it. Politics are created through it. All the noise that is filling up the air, filling up the news, filling up the social media, filling up the internet, all these are distractions to the real truth. Father, we pray, let your voice only be heard, Lord, tonight, today, each and every one. Father, let your truth alone, Lord Jesus, becomes the desire of each and every one of our hearts. Father, if anyone has worries in their heart right now, Father, we pray, would you bring them peace as they let go? And in fact, often to let go is simply by repentance. Yes, this is not a religious word. Repentance is simply turning from relying on the fear, relying on the world to having trust in God. That's what repentance is about. It's a gift to be able to see truth and light and see victory. So, Father, we pray, especially for my brother, Brian, and everyone in that situation, too, that have misunderstood you or have perceived you differently than what you have been doing and actively doing and interceding for each and every one. Father, we pray that we would repent as a body of Christ, as an individual follow of Christ. With whatever maturity we're at, Father, we can certainly learn more. And so, Father, would you stir it within our hearts, Lord, even so right now. From the ministers to, to each and every one, Lord Jesus. No one here is with title, Lord. But Father, we pray, those who serve you and those who are not serving you, Lord, that you will stir within our hearts to always walk right with you. Father, we give this day to you and we give every single day from here on. Father, we pray that as long as you have us, Lord, that we will rejoice and do good in our entire lifetime. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, each and every one of you. And uh, 
We have Tuesday Bible study. Uh, again, we are on Genesis 1, 2, and 3. So basically, if you haven't had the chance, uh, definitely cover that. Uh, read it. You know, it's right here in the Bible. Take notes and, uh, and be ready to take more notes on the day itself because it's amazing what God does uh, speaking to those who spend their time with him. All right. Any uh, other announcement besides that? Uh, we do have the Friday Bible study and also prayer as well. I do have a question. Are we on chapter four this week? I uh, can confirm, but I thought we were to hang back to uh, one, two, and three again. Okay. Huh? Oh, two and three, sorry, not one. Two and three. Two and three, okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that, that, was, that was just so much good stuff. <laughs> Um, that uh, that we're still in two and three, yeah. All right. Well, God bless all of you, and uh, please uh, let us know how we can pray for you and with.